Warning. The following podcast contains two morons talking about sophisticated subject matter, like ninus and hoo-hahs. Also, a few whoopsie-daisies and at least one house or ante. If you don't have a strong stomach, you know where the door is. Right. On with the shenanigans, then. The podcast which you are about to hear is an account of the tragedy which befell two washed-up losers. In particular, Court Psyops and his immature co-host, Matt. It was all the more tragic in that they were uncultured morons. But had they lived very, very full lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see each week. For them, an idiotic podcast show became a nightmare. The events of each week were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, Cinema Psyops with Court and Matt. What is Psyops? Psyops for psychological operations is very simply the art of influencing how people feel and think and ultimately how they behave and what they do. You don't have to defeat the enemy on the battlefield. It's better if you can convince the enemy to do what you want him to do without having to fight him. And that's really the intent behind Psyops, to convince people to do what you want them to do. So how does PSYOPs fit into what's happening now? The two points I'd like to make with you and the audience is that, first and foremost, PSYOPs save lives. The second thing I'd like to say, a lot of people have misconception about PSYOPs. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. say you don't know exactly what's going on right now, but we do know that there are some psyops going on, right? Ma'am, I don't know. Cinema psyops. And I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels. I know what it does to you. Cinema psyops. They think it's something devious and brainwashing. Welcome to the 304th episode of Cinema Psyops. I'm your host, Court, the guy that's going to blow out a vocal cord for this show one of these days. And joining me live via Skype is my co-host, Matt. Clint's a fucking skinnered, man. Well, I hope that Neil Young will remember a southern man. Don't need him around anyhow. Uh, sweet home Alabama, where the incest is all American. <laughs> where the cousins are getting it on every day. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> all right. So we made it through. This is the fifth movie that we've covered thus far. We've, we've made it through four. There are eight in total, if my count is correct, of these this, movies. Does that sound right? This is the fourth or the fifth? This is the fifth. Okay, because we did Texas, Texas 2. Yeah, Texas 3, and then Texas TNG. Oh, yes. That's Texas, four. I, next generation. I, yeah, so this is five. I, I must have drank that out of existence, right? <laughs> we are exactly halfway through yeah. the reviews right now because we are doing the intro for the show, and we yeah. haven't quite done number five just yet, but 
Matt, by the end of this episode, we're coming out the other side of this. Oh, I can't wait. Because, you know, the begin it's almost like a long road trip. The beginning is fun. You know, hey, we're hitting the road. Woo. But we're in the middle of it now. And I just, I want the trip to be over. <laughs> well, the real problem is we're in the middle of the trip and we're about to almost run somebody over and then pick them up. Oh, yeah. Let's not do that either. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you almost, if you almost hit somebody, don't bother picking them up. All right. It's just not good for you. Well, just my lawyers are advising me also to say to our audience that if you almost hit someone and then you stop to help them and pick them up, you are admitting fault. So yeah, if you don't actually hit them, keep going. And I will also say this. If they just start mumbling a lot to you um, about not wanting to go back to a certain place, don't go back to that certain place because probably some weird shit happened and you should just keep on driving. <laughs> Let's just do the fucking review because I, I, <laughs> right. I got a bunch of stuff that I got to say about this movie. Um, I have I, good and bad, well, uh, but I, there is good. I have good things to say. I, I just I also have bad. Oh, no, I do have some good things to say. Uh, I watched this in a very scientific manner. I had a control group show oh. up and help me out. In other words, my wife, I asked her to watch it with me because I said, I remember how much I hated this and I still fucking hate it Yeah. Um, to her. And I need you to watch this with me so that when I have complaints, I can tell you what I'm thinking and you tell me if I'm being unfair or not. And she said, sure. You know, she thought that would be fine. And she remembered liking the film, you know, because yeah. she did like this one when she first watched it. Now, she's never watched it again. She's only ever watched it once and then just never really came back to it. So this was the second time that she had watched it. And this is the official second time that I've watched it as well. Okay. And I only watched it because she asked me to watch it with her the first time. So it's kind of fitting that she's watching it with me now because... As I said, I hated this movie. Um, whether or not I still hate it after this watch, when I'm trying to be very objective and very fair, that's a different story. But um, I will say the things that I liked, and I will also say the things that I disliked. And then uh, in the final thoughts, <laughs> I will I will lay it out, uh, and I will try to be as fair and objective, at least as I was for Texas Chainsaw TNG. All right, because I gave that movie more than a fair enough shot and i even double checked with you where i'm like man this really bugged me was it just me or is it you well yes i brought a third party in on this just in case all right yeah. just in case to make sure that i stayed fair and as balanced as i possibly could <laughs> but I, I agree. you definitely uh, did but i'm i'm probably gonna unload on this at some point in this show in a way that will make a fan of this film rather crass with me that may or may not happen <laughs> Well, hopefully they'll understand that you're just trying to help. Now, the reason I'm giving this one the preface and not the previous film, Texas Chainsaw TNG, because believe it or not, there are people who do love that film, too. The, yeah, the, I'm reason, sure. the reason I'm giving this one that benefit of the doubt is because I feel like it's going to be much worse on how much harsher I may end up being. I'm not sure. But yeah. I also want to hype up the fucking show to keep people listening to it to wonder when that's going to happen. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, continue with the anticipation. Patience. And we will play the Patreon ad for Legion. I will have music that was featured right out of the soundtrack for everybody that's contributing to the Legion Patreon ad. Yeah. And uh, for those that aren't available on the main feed, will just be replacement music that sounds kind of cool, but will definitely not be what we talk about when we're coming back. In. From this break. This'll keep you quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. 
I said quiet. My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also, yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs, costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. You got me acting out. You. Oh, tenderness is out the window. What you do to me when the cold bites blue is straight cold. Okay, so that song was featured in the trailer. Oh, okay. Now, as I had mentioned before, the only way that you're going to actually be hearing that is on the Legion Patreon. You're not yes. going to be hearing it on the main feed, which, you know, I'm still going to talk about the music I'm playing now because that's just how we did the show. <laughs> yeah, of course. It's called Song to the Siren, and I guess that this version that I was just playing there is specifically and only for the trailer. Like, they re-recorded just the vocals and just minimal music to work in with the actual trailer that I'm going to just play right now. Tell me how much you love me. How much? That much. That much? That much. <laughs> hey, are you okay? They're all dead. He's a dead man. I'm going to have to call the cops, I guess. Excuse me! What? I just saw something. All right, that's it. If somebody's out there, just come on out! What is that? The hitchhiker. What were they all doing here? What the hell are you doing in my house? You're all gonna die. Oh, 
that's your fucking trailer that featured that vocal that I played as the opening for the show. Um, yes. I don't believe any of that music was actually featured in the movie itself. And all I, of the, yeah, I didn't. Okay. I don't remember hearing that song. So okay, yeah. Now all of the music that I'm also going to be playing for tonight is featured on the original motion picture soundtrack, even though it was not featured in the fucking film. They made a metal soundtrack for this just because. Oh well, that's nice for them. I think maybe one of the songs maybe could have shown up on the very end of the movie, but they made a, hey, here's a new metal or like, you know, sampler that happens to be called Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> with yeah. some death metal and some other things. But it's like extreme metal, quote unquote, sampler, I guess you could call it. Who doesn't like extreme metal? <laughs> uh, people with anxiety issues, maybe? Probably. But fuck it. Let's get ready to go into this. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 remake. We start our first 20 minutes. Well, it's narration. So it's a fucking clip because I can't break tradition now. <laughs> Speaking of not breaking tradition, it's also John Larroquette back for the remake. Oh. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected. Nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon became a nightmare. For 30 years, the files collected dust in the Cole Cases Division of the Travis County Police Department. Over 1,300 pieces of evidence were collected from the crime scene at the Hewitt residence. Yet none of the evidence was more compelling than the classified police footage of the crime scene walkthrough. Test, test, test. Okay, uh, this is uh, August 20th, 1973. The time is uh, 3.47 p.m. A location is the Hewitt residence um, on Route 17. It's where victim one was found. Uh, we're gonna do a walkthrough and uh, we're now descending the stairs into the furnace room. Uh, there's over here. There's scratch marks along the wall. There's some more over here. Along here, and oh, there's something over here. Seems looks like a clot of hair and a embedded fingernail. All right, we're gonna go move into the uh, actual furnace room. The events of that day were to lead to one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history: the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> And I didn't notice it until you told me, yeah, and that's totally John Arquette's voice. And I was just like, I didn't notice it until you actually told me. <laughs> There's a couple of people that are back. Um, I want to, before we get, you know, into it proper, yeah. um, this film had the cinematographer who captured the look and feel of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, he was kind of pretty much the one who got the director on board because they had worked together on music videos before. And yeah. he talked him into it. And the director said that trying to remake the Texas Chainsaw massacre is like a travesty or um i can't remember what his exact words were but like it's it, it basically it was one of those things where it's an outrageous and not the right thing to do is what they were saying and yeah, daniel pearl is the one who told him well then that means you're the one that should direct it yeah because daniel pearl wanted to take another crack at it his thing was i got to shoot it at the start of my career and now i'm going mm -hmm. to shoot it near the end of my career and he thought that yeah. that was a perfect bookend and that's why the director that got put on board got put on board because he talked him into it so we've had now three different texas chainsaws where three different people involved with the original 
are taking a crack at doing their own version that they may or may not have a little more say in. Because someone who shot the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre may be able to sway a lot of people in what they should and shouldn't be doing, particularly a director he talked into directing it, who is then afraid of doing things the right way. And of course, you're going to refer to who for that? The director who was involved in it. Well, no, what I'm saying is... The person who originally, the the cinematographer who originally shot it. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't the director go, well, what do you think? Constantly to him? Isn't this his way of basically taking another crack out of it and being in control somehow? You know, if he wanted to. I'm not saying he did it. I'm saying if he wanted to, that's a way to do it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, All right, so let's go ahead. Wrong. Let's go ahead because I want to preface that because some of the things that I have to say in the positive light are about how good parts of this film look and how it's shot, and it's because they brought Daniel Pearl back. But also, the differences are all things that they all consciously made decisions for as well. So I wanted to preface that because there's visual elements to this that we definitely need to focus on because it's the original cinematographer. All right, all right, well, let's get going, or else you're gonna go crazy here and already have am. nothing to say at the end of the first twenty minutes. So, <laughs> uh, then we cut to some kids are driving through Texas. Uh, they were just in Mexico and scoring some weed, uh, even though one of the other girls was, uh, she was like, we scored what? And apparently they scored a shit ton of weed. Um, it's important to we, note that uh, the main character of Aaron did not drink nor smoke at all coming back from Mexico. They're talking yes. about how she didn't imbibe anything. And that's an important plot point that my wife noticed right away. She said, is she pregnant? And I said, I think so, yes. But they dropped the whole nine months pregnant thing from the script because Michael Bay yeah. said no. Because, yeah, I mean... <laughs> Aaron definitely did not look nine months pregnant at all. <laughs> no, but um, they could have at least made it a little more obvious. They just kind of hinted at it that, like, maybe she had just found out before they were going to Mexico. Yeah, so, because after when they say she didn't drink or do anything, her boyfriend, guy driving the car, Kemper, they gave each other kind of a knowing look. So Right. Uh, we need to mention it because it was much more heavy-handed in the earliest version of the script, uh-huh. um, but it uh, ends up being something that they just kind of this subtle little thing, and I didn't want to pass it up. That's an important plot point and a part of the story that we need to kind of keep in mind. All right. Well, then we are. Um, there's another girl in the car who they had just picked up after coming back from Mexico. Her and one of the other guys in the back, they're heavily making out. Uh, and yeah, Aaron's not aware that they did a huge weed pickup in Mexico. So anyway, then they almost hit this other girl, and they end up picking her up. Uh, She is fucked up, says a bad man was around, does not want to go back to, like, they think about going back to this processing plant they had seen, uh, because they are in the middle of nowhere. She says, no, no, and you can tell there is blood on her thighs, and because she pulls a gown out of her crotch, so she had a gun hidden up inside of her. She also said that he did this to me when she pulled the gun out. Yep, and then she... Puts the gun in her mouth and blows her own brains out in a pretty spectacular fashion. It was uh, pretty gruesome. One thing this film does right and really, really sinks its teeth into is being as gross out as possible. But that is the time frame with which it was made in. The French extreme had been hitting pretty hard by this time. And American audiences were kind of clamoring for that, too. Isn't 2003 also when the the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out? Somewhere around there, yeah. I think Dawn of the Dead was, I think, before... Before the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or this was before okay. that one. But I mean, it's this all is the general first area of the Platinum Dunes remakes. Like when they did uh, the Friday the 13th, they also did Nightmare on Elm Street. They just basically bought yeah. a property and, you know, threw a modest budget at it and saw what happened. This is the first of those, the Platinum Dunes. Yeah. Dawn of the Dead, um, I think may have been before this. I think it's 2002. I'm not 100% sure. 
You you might be right on that. I was wrong. Dawn of the Dead was after this. <laughs> was it after? Yeah. I thought it was 2004. Was it 2004? Yeah, I think it is. And this yeah. was like 2003. So yeah, it was yeah. just after. Um. So anyway, uh, they pull into a station like a like a convenience store, and they're trying to get help. And I mean, the, there's a meat section in this thing, like pigs' heads and all that, and there's flies everywhere. It's just this is not probably the kind of meat you're gonna want to get. Uh, you know, this is uh, not gonna be good for you. Uh, the entire film looks like just before saw that yeah that washed out look but like that sort of bleached trying to make it look like everything is fucking filthy playing yeah. down and they're doing it with the color palette so it's slightly less offensive than when they just tone the colors down with color grading <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like, and every, later on. Everything looks worn, everything looks old, nothing upkept. Yeah, I mean, there's vibrant colors when there are vibrant colors, like the greens in the fields and things like that, but all of the places that they're trying to give that sort of desaturated colors been taken out of the world, they did it through their set design, which is spectacular in this. That place was fucking disgusting. Yeah. And made me uncomfortable. Yes, I felt very uncomfortable. They did a good job of showing this heat again, like that Texas heat, which helps make everything else feel uncomfortable and then adds to this particular set so i mean so far so good on that kind of aspect yeah and they're clearly not keeping that meat cold because i guess they don't fear getting sick from it for some reason for some reason right well they uh the lady there calls the sheriff and tells them that the sheriff wants them to meet them at the meat processing plant that's down the street. That's where they meet the sheriff. And believe it or not, all this, ha- everything I just explained, that was the first 20 minutes of the movie. All right. The setup's so, pretty decent. Um, yeah. I get why they changed it with the female hitchhiker. That stuff was actually pretty intense. And were I to see that as an intro to another throwback slasher film, yeah. I-, I would think that was pretty fucking cool. So everybody that came up with that and executed that whole entire sequence of the van mm-hmm. and them picking her up and her shooting herself rather than dealing with it, and that being the thing that propels the story forward i dug all of this stuff um the thing with the uh protagonist uh couple in the front of the van actually like they're gonna have a baby and they both know it um that knowing glance as to why she didn't drink or smoke uh the reason that should have played out more and at least made it more obvious because there's some decisions that she makes in the film that aren't fitting with her character i think by the end um yeah unless you know that she is in fact with child herself yeah that's true because she makes some choices here and there in the film for herself over other people it's at certain points and the reason that she's doing that isn't because she fears for her own life so much as that she needs to she's fighting for two (laughs) in one body (laughs) yeah 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 you know that one that's even more helpless than what she is so that's something that i feel the filmmaker should have put into the film more because otherwise your heroine makes choices that you wouldn't really want your heroine to make in these kinds of films unless you're the type that likes your flawed characters who will just sacrifice somebody else you know <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or whatever, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it's a decent enough setup, and the film does look gorgeous. All the stuff that, it, like I said, all the things that are supposed to be gross are grotesquely disgusting. They definitely make everything feel really hyper realistic. And it was pretty much at this time before the girl shoots herself that um, I asked my wife, Do you feel like this is a made for TV movie or possibly like a crack at a pilot for a TV? 
TV series based on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And she said, see that. And and I'm like, you know, like, like, let's say they're making something for the CW, but they threw extra gore into it just in case. You know? Yeah, right. And, There's a lot of CW actors in there. I'm just right, saying. Right. And then and then she said, well, it doesn't feel real to her. She was basically like saying she couldn't suspend her disbelief because they're all very clearly actors. They're all very clearly like, you know, well-known young actors, it, which it was a choice not... that you shouldn't make for this kind of film. And the reason I... that she said that is because the and she's comparing it to the original. And she said, in her words, I don't think you can't help but do it because it is a remake. You are going to do it whether you want to or not. And she did say that the thing that works the best for the original is it feels like it could be really happening at certain points because you don't know any of the people and because you don't realize and the way that it's shot, it feels like a documentary. Again, her words feels like a documentary and this doesn't have that. So it's a little harder to care about them. And she was talking about that at the point when we're there at the place. And I'm like, but that place is disgusting. This is great. You know, and she's like for any kind of horror movie, not just for a remake, because they're known actors, it's hard to really care about them because, you know, it's safe. And then I'm like, yeah, it feels kind of like that, too. I get that. OK, so that's where we were. And that's right where we're at with this disgusting, you know, meatpacking place. That's kind of where our conversation was going about what we were thinking about it. And we even paused it to talk about things for a moment because I wanted to be fair. So I just wanted yeah. to mention that this intro is cool. And for a, um, like I said, TV movie pilot type thing or a pilot, you know, like an hour and a half or hour and 40 minute pilot for a, the start of a TV series, like not necessarily on CW, but like what MTV at the time was trying to do where they were trying to make their TV series as well. Like I think they even did their, their hand at scream at some point. <laughs> yeah. They made, it wasn't really anything to do with actual scream. They just called it scream. Right. Okay, but like what I'm getting at is this is what this film feels like to me up to this point. It just feels like they threw an extra grossness just to try and like push the envelope a little bit. And yeah. my wife kind of concurred that that's kind of the same thing. And I'll point out other parts of this where I feel like it's trying to be like a TV series. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in my brain yeah. and like how that works and how you can't suspend your disbelief later on when we get further into the story. But there, that's kind yeah. of where I'm going with this because this just doesn't even feel like it's a non-movie to me <laughs> like it doesn't I can't suspend my disbelief I just feel like I'm watching a CW version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre it just has there's there's nothing really to it now the part well, with the, the the part with the the hitch well, not the hitchhiker girl but the girl that shoots herself that they almost hit is really good and that's super intense but it's just a brief moment that's just like a shock or a jump scare and then that's it and then the rest of the tension is diffused by their bullshit fighting that just sounds like a bunch of fucking college kids on on a, on a fucking CW show to me. Yeah, it's, um, for lack of a better word, even though everything's all grimy and all that, it's it's too clean, I guess, for lack of a better word. It's the a slick and over-polished film, and it feels yeah. like TV more than it does it, a movie or a well, cinematic it, experience. But it, it how about this? I guess, and, and I'm not saying every horror movie. I'm just saying some of the greatest horror movies that people consider to be the legends were never done by big studios. For a reason. Now, maybe usually. they were picked up by big studios, but usually they're always done kind of on the fly and the seat of your pants. And they never looked polished and pretty. And then in the early 2000s, a bunch of studios decided, hey, let's start buying up horror genres and trying to redo them. Much like all this. And they made them all look very pretty. Like the, the new Friday the 13th movie was the same way. The new Friday. Same company. Or the new, yeah. The new Nightmare on Elm Street. Same company. Yeah. They all looked very polished. And 
again, you are very right. Looks like very much something you'd see on the CW or on MTV. If this were an actual TV series pilot where they were going to give me weekly episodes of Texas Chainsaw Massacre family duping people in and like some people escape and fight them and like it would be an ongoing thing with Jessica Beals like, you know, getting the kid to safety later on. Spoiler alert. And then yeah. coming back to fight the family. If they would have actually been closing it out with that shit, like I could have probably gotten into that as a TV series because I gave that From Dusk Till Dawn TV show a lot of leeway that I really shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. <laughs> all right. So we start the next 20 minutes. The group goes to the mill. No share. They actually hold a vote of just dumping the body and leaving. Like, no one will know it's us. And I mean, this is back in the 70s. No one would. Uh, they go, however, to check out the mill, and they find a little boy who's around there. They get a few jump scare areas, but they find this little boy. Well, they talk to the boy, and they find out that the sheriff's at home getting drunk. Uh, this really makes the kind of, I guess, quote-unquote nerd character dude really just want to leave, go to the Leonard Skinner concert. Uh, but they all decide they want to be able to get to the house, say, oh, can we take this? He goes, no road goes there, but it's a short walk. So, Aaron and Kemper, they go to the house where they think the sheriff is. Uh, then you have this weird cutback where the guy makes fun of the little the little kid. He doesn't make fun of him, but he says, calls him a weird little ghoul or something because he keeps playing with the dead body. Um, then they uh, find a guy who has no legs. Uh, he's just chilling at that house. And he says, Aaron can go inside, not Kemper, and call the cops or call the sheriff. He said sheriff doesn't live there. So they call some. she calls someone, and well, and he dials for her, by the way. And the person on the other line says they'll be there in 30 minutes. And then we cut to the group, and the sheriff does show up, and he's kind of a real asshole to the group. Just, he's a, he's kind of a dick. And then we cut back, and as Aaron's getting ready to leave the house, the dude apparently fell off the toilet, or fell off his chair while emptying his uh, urine bag. Which, no, and, that was not a urine, that was a colostomy bag. because oh, was colostomy bag. Yeah, because it's a and, gloopy stuff that they show him dumping out ever so uh, slowly into the toilet. It's another one of those things where they're like, see, we can be really fucking gross. Yeah, yeah. Well, as he's trained, as she tries to uh, pick her, pick him up, put him in the chair, he's constantly grabbing her ass. Yeah, so, speaking of fucking gross, and one of the yeah. things that I dislike in this is they need to see people like meat, not like fucking meat, if you catch my yeah. drift. And him groping her, it makes them rapey fucking rednecks, and that's yeah, not a chainsaw not- cannibal family to me anyway. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a uh, really fucked up. Though I don't get cha- all of them are chainsaw cannibals. I think just maybe a couple of them are, and the rest are just fucked up people who want to do what they want to do. <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, Kemper he goes in looking for, her, and as he's looking around the house, he sees like this TV's on and all this. Uh, he turns around and he gets uh, knocked out uh, and gets uh, hammered by uh, Leatherface. And then Leatherface drags him in, closes that slimy door. And Aaron then hears this. She kind of is going to look uh, around, cut back to the sheriff. Um, He has one of the kids helping her wrap her the dead body in just regular old like sandwich cellophane type stuff that he has. Did you hear uh, where he said she's wet down here? What were you boys doing with her when he was wrapping yeah, her hips? Yeah, he's saying a whole bunch of horrendous shit. Arlene 
Laramie, uh, of course, knocks it out of the park is this character. He uh, is one of the bright spots as uh, as an actor in this. Um, it's really good. He's, I mean, as disturbing as disgusting he is, he plays it well. So, um, so uh, as he's going through more, he takes he has the gun that she had, and one of the guys notices he it fits perfectly in his gun boot in his boot holster. Yeah, he makes a show of it as almost telling them that he's the one that put it there on her in the first place. And then he makes a whole grand talk about how he, you know, he used to molest dead girls all the time when he'd pick them up as he throws her into the trunk. And everything he has is like, is a red flag. His sheriff's car is so fucking is a junk mobile. He's using sandwich cellophane to cover up a dead body. I mean, this is all fucking just should be huge red flags even in the 70s. He's saying shit about being a necrophile with girls' dead bodies because who's going to know that he grabbed a, or copped a field here, a field here or, or yeah. you know, a screw there or something like that you know uh-huh. and then he says i'm just kidding or whatever and then he yells at them and he forces the kids to put the body in his trunk for him yeah this is yeah. definitely not a sheriff i don't care how fucking naive you are about what pigs can and cannot get away with this is clearly not an authorized one no this is not somebody who's an actual cop or ever has been an actual cop <laughs> right he's not the person executing state policy for fines he yeah, is yeah, yeah. he is clearly a monstrous fucking asshole and they just kind of are clueless about it. Now, this yeah. is all them being super ultra creepy, just showing you like, ooh, look how sleazy and rapey we can be, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my wife at this point actually commented to me that this is all very unbelievable and they're just doing it for the sake of trying to be creepy and gross just to make it feel like it's creepy and gross. And she said yeah. that that doesn't really fit either with what she would think about like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No. And it just kind of takes her out of the film and makes her not want to watch it. Not so much that it was like, oh my God, this is too intense. It's like, oh, for fuck's sakes, this is lame. <laughs> really? I mean, this hasn't been done a million times before. Right. And in the 2000s, we had that wave of that kind of horror where they kept trying to do it more and more extreme, but it then became sexualized and like there was like basically rape as a weapon. For, the the for Hills monsters. Have Eyes remake. Right. It got pretty rapey too. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the, the whole wrong turn series. Right. That's this. I, I, I've been waiting and delaying saying that, but this is the point where the Wrong Turn series definitely influenced the series that it was most influenced yeah. by. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Uh, that was one of my complaints that I have later on in the film, so we can move past that already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep going. Now, don't get me wrong, it doesn't take away from Arlie Laramie's fucking awesome performance in this. If he, he were really if, good. if he were doing this in any other film, I would still be like, ugh, this is fucking great. Gross. Knock it yeah. off. Well, I'm not, I'm saying his performance is fine. Not what was written for him, but he, he acted well. <laughs> All right. Well, we will agree to disagree on that. I think he's going uh, over the top. Oh, okay. Well then, uh, and then, uh, so then we come back to Aaron, can't find Kemp. Guy says he isn't, he's not in the house, so she leaves. Uh, then we see, we cut to Leatherface preparing Kemp's body and some other shit, like old body parts are around him and everything. Uh, Aaron gets back to the group. Kemp's not there. Gotta find Kemp. Uh, then we see, uh, Leatherface as he's fucking around with Kemp's body. A box falls out of his pocket and it's a engagement ring. So he was going to ask Aaron to marry him. Now keep in mind that she was pregnant. So, yeah, or they, you know, and she's obviously very early in the pregnancy, given the shape of her stomach is very much ablicious, if you will. Yeah. Um, no and, shit. and she was very happy. And to they showed it enough, such. too. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, but I think because she's early enough in the pregnancy, he's trying to do the right thing so much so that they're even trying to cover up, you know, with the wedding. When did the wedding happen versus when is the baby going to be born? Like, I think they're trying to, you know, shave yeah. off a couple weeks to where they're not going to question it. <laughs> do something. Yeah. Like, so he's trying to, like, even save her honor more so in that time in the 70s, you know, like where it wouldn't have yeah. even been that big a deal as long as you got hitched to raise the baby. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's a it's a it's a nice move from a guy that you wouldn't expect to do something like that is what I'm getting at. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also, a nice touch to put it in the script, especially with the pregnancy thing. And since they dropped it, it doesn't make as much sense. Yeah. Well, the group then finds a bunch of cars around the house as they're snooping around. And in one car, they find a jar of water with one picture of the hitchhiker. And then you turn around and it seems to be the picture of the hitchhiker's family. Urine. She's in it as well. And urine. Yes, it's a jar of urine. They also find teeth with the pics uh, with all this stuff. And that ends that 20 minutes. All right. So. Uh, I was uh, getting at with the guy missing the legs and the way that he was acting and being like ultra, ultra hick, because at least Drayton Sawyer could present as somewhat normal. But every single one of these people that are in this film that are playing the cannibal chainsaw family or related to the cannibal chainsawing, however it works, they are the worst kind of hick cliche that you can put in a movie. And oh yeah, I'm not the type to go all pro hick and defend hicks but there are hicks in film that are grotesque to the point where you don't even treat said hick as a human being anymore because they're so fucking backwood and inbred that they're Mm -hmm. clearly this fucked up maniac and they all like that and this film indulges in that like the wrong turn series does but what the wrong turn series does say is it's no no they hit up in the hills so deep that they literally were that inbred and that's what happened with this specific family they're they're literally monsters now yeah because they're so far they're so far removed and they even hint that they were like medical experiments that lived up there and inbred which made it even more intense some don't even look human in wrong turn right in this film we are supposed to believe that these are ordinary everyday people that are so far removed from any normal society that they completely lose all forms of decorum or even the ability to pretend to not be hostile just long enough to convince people to do what they want. They are performing what some folks that practice Levahan Satanism call lesser magic or something like that, where it's, I, I can't remember exactly what it is, but the idea is you be an asshole long enough to someone that you pretty much badger them into doing what you want. Yeah. That, that's like how it works. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. And that's what they're doing. And I'm like, I would not listen to any of these fucking people. I would not do any of that shit. I would let make her let me use the phone and I would call an operator and I would try to call at least the police or a couple of different cops. I'll do whatever I fucking want and I'm out of here. Get fucked. Right. And the thing where they say about pulling the body out of the van, I think I might have done the same thing where I would have been like, no, we got to get the fuck out of here. We'll clean out the brains and shit at this fucking station and... And we will leave the body here, you know, that's but we're leaving. Goodbye. Yeah, Yeah, because if a sheriff can't even be fucking bothered to come check out a suicide, you don't need to be in that fucking town. No, that that place is everything's gross and disgusting. I mean, people are acting fucking sus right off the fucking bat. No, I get the fuck out of town, too. Yeah, so the thing that they do with coming up to the van to the store, you already start to lose your suspension of disbelief. And then this film tries to push it even further that you are supposed to believe all of these outrageous characters can continue to manipulate these kids. I 
mean, they're clearly dumb, but like the way that they do this, they're trying to say that this is like 2000 maniacs where um, they're like these spirit people that are coming back to kill in that. Yeah. And they actually practice this sort of devious manipulation where they make the people misunderstand them because they think they're Hicks. It's also a Hicksploitation film. But that's yeah. what they're doing with this Texas Chainsaw Massacre is they're doing a sort of version of 2000 Maniacs as well, which if they did this as a TV series and they even use the Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the name for the TV series, I would have given it some leeway on that. But for it to be a cinematic film that I am supposed to enjoy in a theater I expect a certain amount of ability to suspend my disbelief on a certain amount of things for me to enjoy a horror film. Like, yeah. this may be my need to be super picky about my horror, and I will admit that I can be, but I give leeway to a lot of films, and I'm willing to give this film a lot of leeway with what it's trying to do, but the problem that I'm having and the thing that's making me dislike it, and I still am disliking it to this point, is that none of this has any real plausibility. None of it feels grounded in any kind of real reality that I personally can relate to and what it feels like is a never ending set of beautifully shot wonderful looking set pieces that are often slick but are still very grimy and have all of this really wonderfully done visual flair about nothing there's nothing there's no context to it it's like well the guy's a music video director it's a fucking music video this could be like Meatloaf singing I would do anything for love for an hour and 40 fucking minutes because that that's what it feels like. It makes as much it, sense as that video. It, For lack of a better word, it has no soul. Yeah, it doesn't. It's fucking soulless. It is it a is. fucking factoried fucking thing. And it's so mm-hmm. weird that they put it with new metal because that is the same type of shit. It's that, yeah, right? it's that manufactured to be a simulation of something that it's totally not. That's what it fucking feels like this whole way through it. And yeah. it feels like everybody's just painting by the numbers except for Arlie Ermey. He's something that you are latching onto in my estimation because he's the only real thing that you can kind of enjoy so far because everything else is just kind of constantly cutting off its own fucking foot and then trying to run a marathon. You're not wrong. It's about the only thing that I could, yeah, that I'm trying to grip to to make this, I don't want to say enjoyable to watch, but to help me get through it. Arlie Ermey is the kind of guy that I always expect to go over the top, but I expect him to be an outraged, angry, just brutal, violent human being. Having him play someone as rapey and gross and manipulative, he doesn't work. What he needs to be is the one who comes in and flies off the fucking handle and scares them into position. He he could have been a great character to be the the cook from the original... uh, the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. He would have been a great cook. Not rapey, not anything like that, but like, all right, all right, just get it done. Yelling at his family, get this done, get that done. You know, we're wasting money here. All that if they wouldn't have gone rapey hillbilly and would have gone where they should have gone, just cannibal family. Right. Now, I can't say that the ones that were made in the 90s were influenced by the wrong turn films because obviously they weren't, but that's where the type of horror films were going anyway. They were getting more and more sexualized. Wrong turn just made it to where it's like they rape their food and then they consume them. And sometimes they keep them alive and only take parts of them away and then continue to rape them was what they hinted at in wrong turn. Mm -hmm. And you get the feeling that this family's probably doing some of the same shit in this film. Uh, But this is 
so far it, it, there there's really not much to where the family is a cohesive unit working for like this chainsaw massacre Some to goal. happen. Right. They took the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which was a family of serial killers, and turned it into a town of serial killers, but they removed it from the main goal. And we never actually see why and who actually is consuming the flesh. You have to kind of hint at and think, well, maybe they all are, are cannibals as well. Maybe they aren't. You know, maybe they're just doing this for kicks. But the film doesn't explain a whole lot of shit about the motivation, how this came to be. Um, you think you would at least get some hints, because at least in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, they're ranting and raving about how it was better back then before the, you know, before that plant closed down. Automation. Yeah, and the automation. And, and you know that you also hear that that's what happened to Grandpa, and you assume the rest of the family got laid off as well. Whereas in yeah. this, and I'm just going to fucking lay it out right now, the next movie that we're going to cover only exists to answer the questions that this film left unanswered. Like, the, yeah. the, to fill in the plot holes that this fucking visual feast of a film left behind. <laughs> <laughs> because because there was somebody on this film that was more concerned about how it looked and how the look of the film turned out than the actual story and how it was going to be produced. Yeah. Who that person was, I don't know, but they were touting about having the original cinematographer. So how much clout did he have and how much of this is his fault? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm posing that fucking question because I want to know because you can totally blame Kim Hinkle for the last film because he fucking wrote and directed it. You can totally yeah. blame Toby Hooper for everything you dislike about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because he wrote and directed it, right? Yeah. Can we put any of the blame on this visual feast of a film with no fucking story behind it on the cinematographer when he talked the director into it? Is that a plausible conspiracy theory that I can lay out for people? without actually saying 100% I know it's his fault like can I just put that question out there right now yeah, <laughs> without probably. like is that something that you're willing to consider that that yeah. might be a possibility for this okay definitely like I said I'm going to piss people off because this is the stuff that was going through my head I'm sure it's going to upset people and let's let's move on all right well we start with the next 20 minutes um the one guy who was making out with the other girl and Aaron they're going to go find uh camp so uh the other two are just going to stay with uh the van so Aaron gets to the house. She distracts the guy. And, uh, well, the other dude, he goes into the house. He's looking around. He's in the kitchen where a bunch of meat is hanging. Uh, he drops some shit. Aaron runs in. And he and Aaron reconnect in the house. Then Leatherface shows up and Aaron runs. Uh, the dude has a tire iron. He's fighting a little bit, but the wheelchair guy rolls on top of the tire iron again. Dude kicks it. his fucking ass in seconds and has no yeah. legs. Yes. So uh, he able he's able to get up though, and he runs and he's running through these sheets that are hung. And Leatherface uh, is able to get the jump on him and cuts off his leg clean. That's a pretty cool effect. I need to. I need. Bev had a comment about the running uh -huh. through the sheets. She's like, yeah. "How big is this house, and how can they possibly have this many beds to require this many?" sheets and also when what, what, what makes you think that they care about doing laundry right and i said to her well it looks gorgeous doesn't it she's like yeah i'm like i'm pretty sure that's all they were concerned that's, with was this fucking set piece to look gorgeous yeah, I, that must have gotten in his head the person making it and he's like this is this has to be in this movie that's something that's in his head for a long time and artistically he wanted to do it and how much fun would it be for a cinematographer to go handheld and run through that with them while he's doing yeah, it? yeah hmm. exactly hmm. i i wonder how that got you know talked into being coming into creation yeah right so hmm hmm interesting so anyway um Leatherface then takes him into the cellar. Uh, that's just where he, this is another kind of gruesome thing. He's clawing at the walls and his fingernails are all breaking off. Um, 
We see then Aaron runs back to the car, and the sheriff shows up again. He is starting to question him. Aaron is, like, trying to tell him what's happening, and he sees joints in the car, and he makes them all get out. Um, uh, at this point, we see Leatherface. He's working on a new mask, and he takes off his old mask, and we actually see Leatherface's face for the first time. He has no nose, and he just kind of looks like his skin's eaten away, which you'll find about later. Yeah, so... But it takes away all the mystery of Leatherface as well. Uh, in part three, I believe it was they were going to show yeah. what Leatherface's face actually looked like underneath the mask uh-huh. and then um, in order to obtain an R rating they cut that sequence out I'm just I think part of the mystery is fuck it we don't need to see it yeah supposed, I mean supposed they, to be, I get it uh, almost every other horror person's been unmasked or whatever but fuck why <laughs> we don't need it <laughs> right yeah even with Michael Myers like they didn't even do that one right when they yeah. unmasked him here and there you know they never fucking do <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, it's just, it's fucking stupid. Um, I just wanted to also state uh, his face, uh, the mask was made out of silicone and um, silicone ordinarily can really look very flesh-like and believable uh-huh. but this is one of the earliest uses I know of silicone for a mask you know, yeah. to, be, to be used and I just don't think that either version of those looked particularly believable as skin, even the rotten underneath part didn't yeah. look that believable the textures were too smooth and it just didn't seem right. It just... Yeah, I agree I, 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 the, the mask he wore didn't look good, and then his actual face didn't look good. <laughs> I mean, nothing. But while he's running around and all of that stuff, it's just they needed to make a hero version for a close-up that had more yeah. texture and sculpting to it, and they didn't do that in this scene, and it's poorer for it. Yes, And it, it made me look closer at his rot face makeup, and then I realized it had the same texture that's way too smooth. And yeah. if you don't do silicone right, you can have it be too smooth and not skin-like. <laughs> unless you're trying to unless you're trying to do a fish skin and then you're good you know <laughs> yeah and maybe that's the look they were going for for his um you know his rotten face like maybe that's like part of the scarring from when it finally healed or whatever but i don't know i i just it didn't quite work for me and it it took once again another thing that just takes me kind of out of the movie a little bit yeah yep um so then uh he uh then takes the dude with whose leg he chopped off and he puts him and he hooks him and their cellar is kind of where they keep everything it's really wet down there all that and you see a ton of bodies uh, down there and- question um yeah. when was it raining so much that it would be draining off the ground like that possibly it wasn't the bottom of the looked, house like, looked like they're in the middle of a texas drought i'm just saying so right it was dry again my- it makes no sense bev bev commented on that as well she's like what is that supposed to be from like leaky pipes i'm like yeah and that's exactly where you want to have your food right where your sewage yeah. drops on it yeah yeah <laughs> but it seems like something a cinematographer would really like and want <laughs> to make can make for i will say this it makes for a very uncomfortable scene like then that just right, seems uncomfortable right. in there someone someone was more concerned with the aesthetic of it than the actual sensical yeah. nature and keeping you with reality uh, yeah. there's a it's at this point when we're down here underground and um we start doing more stuff down here underground that I got another inkling of something else that this felt like um uh-huh. that I would have really gotten into and thought this would have been a cool idea for this but not for a movie. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, right. And when we get to it, I'll talk about it. It's when uh, Jessica Beal ends up down here um, is what I'm getting at. So okay. uh, the film is moving us into all of these glorious and beautiful set pieces that don't tie together well at all. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it's the well, thinnest of ribbon, ribbon of a plot yeah. to hold it together. And also, Leatherface insults the guy's moons. So Okay, I, I do want to compliment the film on yeah. the one thing they got right for if a cannibal is hunting somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing he does is just chop off his leg so he can capture him. But yeah. uh, what he really should have been doing is removing his head immediately with the chainsaw if he didn't want his right. face because he could clearly carry the body no problem. Again, Mm -hmm. when you are hunting or when you are slaughtering an animal for food, you want it to die as quickly as possible without fear because the adrenaline and the shock will ruin the taste of the meat. The faster they die, the less of it that gets released, the more delicious they are. That is yeah. all animals on this planet. That is a rule. But it's, this is a uh, torture hillbilly family, so they right. don't care. Right. Now, if they, in fact, like really fucking hard to chew meat that doesn't really taste that great. But we don't know that because we haven't seen them eat anything. Right. Which is another fucking complaint I have if we're supposed uh-huh. to believe that this is a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But uh, I did like that. I like the chainsawing the leg and yes. as a hunting method and then dragging him back. You know, the Leatherface in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a lot of the meats they killed right away. Yeah. There's only one that yeah. they played with, and that's because their freezers were already full. So they probably yep. weren't going to keep it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, then um, after, so we cut from the salting of the wound to the cop takes the nerd kid into the van and he makes him reenact the shooting. And that is is our next clip. Is that where she was set? Because the angle don't add up for me with blood on that back window. Maybe she was a bit more in the middle. Well, maybe you ought to move a little more over to the middle. But... What are you afraid of a little blood? over there! I don't have much of an imagination, so I need to get a distinct image of what went down here. What she do next? She... She shot herself. Oh, she shot herself. You don't say. How? What do you mean, how? Take the gun. Take the gun and show me how she did it. Come on. Take the gun. Take the gun and show me. Take your goddamn gun! (laughs) That how she did it? Yes. Yes, sir. You're a fucking liar. There ain't no hole in the bottom of her chin. I looked. She stuck the goddamn weapon into her mouth, didn't she? Show me how she did it. Please. Do it! Please, 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 please don't. Boy, there you go. And then what'd she do? She shot herself. You ain't me again, are you? No. Because I have never seen a weapon go off without somebody's finger on the fucking trigger. Morgan, what's going on? You okay? You girls stay in the dirt till I tell you different. 
motherfucker! Get on the fucking floor! I stack it on the floor! What the hell are you doing? What are you gonna do? Shoot me! Morgan, please, please, just please put the gun down, okay? Please don't. Oh my god, Morgan! You lying fuck! You could kill me right now. Get out of here, Scott Free, couldn't you? Morgan, please. He shoots me! You're accomplice to murder! Morgan, please! You too? Please! Come on! Just as guilty as him! Morgan! Yeah! Fucking shoot him! You put the gun down! Morgan, shoot him! Don't fucking do it, please! You don't have the fucking balls, do you? Don't shoot him! Pull the fucking trigger! Fuck you! Well, well, well. Looky here. Oh my god, Morgan! We got ourselves a killer. Only this time, you killed a sheriff. So, maybe some of the most, at this point, dramatic stuff you're actually going to get, so. Alright, well, the girls freak out, and the uh, sheriff takes the nerd kid away. Um... Then we cut to the guy who's in the cellar. He's trying to de-hook himself, but he keeps falling under the hook. Uh, the nerd and sheriff sinking are in the it car deeper each talking. time. By the way, yes, because yes. he has to pull further up, and he fails and falls further down. Yeah, uh, the sheriff asks, you know, where, where they were heading anyway, and he goes, "Oh, they're going to a Skinnerd concert." And the sheriff's like, "Hey, I like Skinnerd. I guess that's something we have in common." And then he offers him the tickets. He says, "Is that a bribe?" And then bashes him in the face with a uh, whiskey bottle. And he goes, "Hey," and the sheriff removes his own front teeth and goes now we have something else in fucking common and that's the end of that 20 minutes all right so you would like the sequence where arlie ermy forces him to sit in the girl's blood and forces him to put the gun in his mouth that she shot herself with and forces him to basically do it at such an amount that it looks like it makes him throw up which apparently um the actor would jam the gun into his throat to force himself to throw up every time on that on the take on purpose he wanted that reaction he wanted it to be like that and that visceral which is a choice the actor made and that's pretty grotesque and my gosh i hope he didn't damage himself to do it um <laughs> you liked all of that this, where's the tension come in for you the tension well you never know if he's he gonna kill this kid what the music actually played into it i don't know just for me it was uh it seemed more of a tense moment than anything else see this is just another rape sequence to me this isn't like tension this is just him basically belittling and forcing him to perform oral on a gun for his own pleasure. This is just another sexual sadist like fucking trip and that's why I wondered why that worked for you because that's how I saw it. Oh, really? See, I didn't see it that way. That's but... what this character is. He's a sexual sadist and this is basically a rape is what he's doing yeah. to this kid. He's trying to break him down mentally and just belittle him and treat him like shit. It's, Although, I it's mean, like you could a, kind a... of say then in the original film having the girl tied up at the table what they were doing to her was a rape. Emotional rape. I mean... if Okay, I will say that that's a possibility but I don't think think that they were cognizant of it where he is doing this knowingly and enjoying it yeah i mean that's a possibility i'm just saying i took it more as a tension builder is he gonna kill this kid or not okay you know yeah well i i felt that this was him belittling and torturing the kid and like basically violating him and because he's he makes him like he breaks down and balls and he forces him to feign like he's gonna commit suicide and you you're wondering is he gonna actually force him to shoot himself but like that I didn't get the tension of that. I just kind of was like, "Ugh." My How about God. this? Is the best tension you're going to get in this movie? <laughs> I don't disagree with that part of it. I just like the reason 
that I wanted to make sure that that sequence and the reason that I went through it like that is because that very much felt like, you know, him being forced to do something else to me like that, that, you know, maybe it's a symbolic thing, but it's a choice that I did not like and I didn't really dig what they were doing with this. I will say Arlie Ermey plays it great. I just do not enjoy seeing him playing this kind of character. I don't think he's very good at it, but he does the best work here in this scene and he's using his intense anger and rage and that very like tendency towards violence himself, you know, and when he's like yelling at them and being a fascist pig cop right before this sequence in like in the dirt and everything and like, you know, trying to make them talk to him and tell him what's going on with that dead girl. That stuff was pretty good. It's just that when they get to this part in the van, it just feels like they're trying to be edgelord push the envelope bullshit with the torture movement that was making it into a horror films, you know, and like the emotional degradation and things like that. And it's some of the kind of the same sleazy over the top stuff that you would get in like Poughkeepsie tapes, you know, where they're really trying to push the envelope and really freak you out and like really like, you know, like disgust you and make you feel awful. And it just kind of comes out of the blue from stuff that was totally working. And this is another one of those cutting their foot off and running a marathon moments for me. It just completely undercuts everything else in the film. Because I'm like, oh my God, you are so fucking time stamping yourself for the actual year that you were made. You are so obviously an early 2000s film now. What the fuck? <laughs> like you you well, don't you don't work outside of your time that you were created in. You work for that year only is what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, this really works in this early 2000s realm and not really all that much after that. Yeah, it undercuts everything else and you start to like when you actually start to think about the story and not just like oh man that was fucking intense right because that's all we wanted back then in like two, yeah. in the early 2000s the whole audience just wanted it so fucking intense we, we, we wanted to feel something something intense yeah and that edgelord in like push that they're trying to do here just doesn't work for me you ever think that's going way off topic here you ever think that's due to the fact that we you know 2003 we're only coming up on two years removed from like watching a live terrorist attack on television so almost it makes people need something more intense in their cinema why do you think the 70s and the late 60s was such a boom in horror when the original texas chainsaw massacre came out and we're still in the throes of vietnam why do you think the film yeah. was a touchstone when it was it's very fucking relevant yeah and yeah. I think right, that's cool. why the films were like yeah, look that. Look at me. I made I made an observation. And and I will tell you this, I also feel like a lot of the a lot of the cinema and television shows of this time frame when you go back and watch them feel very fucking soulless for that same reason. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's going to try to make you feel the most extreme emotion because we're coming off of seeing the most extreme real shit right in front of our eyes. Th that shit was real. But I mean, it's all the same time frame and everyone's looking, movie companies almost maybe felt people are coming off of seeing the most extreme shit that was real, real life shit. We've got to go even more extreme now no, ourselves. I don't even think it's a conscious decision. I think it's just uh, that we just, were all numb as a people and the things that we were all drawn to were yeah. this kind of soulless bullshit. Well, maybe. <laughs> yeah. All right. We start the next 20 minutes. Um, Aaron hotwires the van uh, and then we get an extra little shot of finding out something about Aaron. She apparently learned all this in juvie. So, okay. Um, the sheriff, uh, he takes the kids to the house, the, that kid to the house and then starts beating the shit out of him outside in a muddy, wet hole. Again, I didn't see any rain. Uh, so, I don't know where all this moisture is coming from. Ding, 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 uh, ding, ding. Also, it's dry as fuck everywhere else. Where is this mud pit and how far did he drive him before he got him there? 
we would have need to see him coming up to a mud They're pit. right in front of the house. Yeah. They're right in front of the house. Oh, well, that's probably where all these leaky pipes are like backing up into the yard. Maybe all the pipes yeah. are broken in the yard and then they're just backing up into the house now. Yeah. Something. <laughs> Jesus. Maybe that um, is raw sewage he's drowning him in. Yeah. Oh. So Why would you um, do that to what's supposed to be your food, right? Yeah. No idea. Uh, so now we cut to, now remember, it's a hot Texas night. Even the night's hot. Everyone's still sweating. For some reason, the one girl who hitchhiked with the people, she now has a big puffy coat on. Again, this will make sense in a minute. Leatherface attacks the van. Uh, that girl gets out. She tries to run away and Leatherface starts carving her up, but you don't actually see it happen. You just see the feathers of her coat flying. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Another thing that they just wanted to be able to see. Yeah. It looked um, gorgeous. It was a really yeah. great fucking shot, but like, shouldn't you have just had a moment where she said, I'm cold and grabbed a jacket? Yeah. And why, how could you be cold when everyone else is sweating their balls off still? Yeah. Why else would she have the jacket on other than it just looks good? And who would make such a decision of just doing something just because it looks good? Yeah, exactly. So a cinematographer. I uh, don't want to this... blame him. I'm just saying like where. Uh, no, where... But I get what you're saying. Yeah. And here's actually a really cool scene in the movie. Uh, Aaron looks and Leatherface is wearing Kemp's face. And it's actually a pretty cool way they did that. I thought that looked really cool. This is the most Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque thing this Texas Chainsaw Massacre film does. Yes. And that's going to be the drop that people, like, give me shit for. (laughs) (laughs) But I really thought it was cool, too. It looked good. It it didn't... It worked. It It looked like... It it looked the most like his removed face from that distance it possibly could being worn on somebody else. They did a really good job of doing that with his face. The the effect really, really worked. The reveal was really well done. It looked fucking gorgeous. And it is the most Texas Chainsaw Massacre-esque moment in this Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Yes, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I said it twice, so maybe it'll sink into somebody's psyche enough to be like, you know, commenting on it. <laughs> yeah. We haven't had one so, of those things in a while where I say something during a review where they're like, that's a total court-ism. That's a court-ism. Well, Aaron runs around. We have a little chase there. She runs into a trailer. Well, inside the trailer, she finds uh, two rather weird ladies, one of which was the lady from the little convenience store area, and that is our final clip. It's okay. Sit down. (laughs) Turn that thing off! It's gonna fucking air us! There's nothing a good old cup of tea won't settle. Nobody's gonna come through that door. to himself skin disease he was just a little boy when it started didn't you look at his face I couldn't I couldn't like it oh sweetie here it's just just right come drink some before it gets cold oh no I do 
I don't want to drink any more tea. I just need a phone. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that wasn't a good idea. Now drink up your tea. It'll help you relax. I'll be right back. You're a little tense. You should relax. You okay, child? You don't look so good. You said you didn't have a phone. That's not your baby. You stole her! She's mine. A few things in this clip. Uh, when she's looking around this place, she sees uh, the family picture that they found in the jar in urine, and the baby is a baby from that family picture. So there you go. And no one else that that's up. in this trailer, including the woman who's pretending to be the mother of the baby, is in fact in that picture either, obviously. Yeah, obviously. Yes. Yeah, so and this baby the girl that, that was in there is the only one that was still alive and then killed herself rather than come back to this family. So it's obvious they stole the baby. Yes. And in the weirdest sense, okay, so it's this a can family, a hillbilly rapist family, or a family who wants to grow their family with other children. I, I don't Stolen know. Stolen from the outside. Yeah. <laughs> Just not well aware. Uh, this film is also not well aware. Once again, I said they made a prequel to fill in the plot holes this film left behind. All of these questions you are asking, Matt, they do try to answer in the prequel film for the prequel of this anyway. <laughs> That's next week. So all of your questions will sort of be answered, but more of your questions will arise because you will be even more confused by that film. Yeah, probably. <sighs> All right. So then uh, she actually, the tea that she was drinking uh, was laced with something. Uh, so she uh, she crashes and she wakes up having beer poured on her in the house. Uh, we see that kid, the little kid, I think Jebediah was his name or Jeremiah. Yeah, the one, one that was two. sleeping in the fa factory. Yeah, yeah uh, is trying to get inside, but uh, the old woman, his grandma's yelling at him. They has to stay out. Yeah, then he starts something yelling about at her. until he gets in line or, you know. Yeah. Whatever it is, he can't, he's going to have to sleep outside with the dogs. I get the feeling that he was stolen too. Probably. Um, uh, then she Because he doesn't want to do saying... anything that the family's doing. Like, he's not just like the yeah. stray dog. And which is also, by the way, something that they did in the original Hills Have Eyes that they're making a reference to here, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. Where the has the kid who. The one know, member of the family wants that, to... yeah, wants to fight against what the family's doing and doesn't agree with it because it's they think it's their way out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, um, the mom. There, the old grandma starts yelling at the girl that they all made fun of her boy, and we cut to Leatherface, who's fucking just laying there. Finally, uh, well, he's he whimpering and like shaking back yeah. and forth. Yeah, he's traumatized, basically. Yeah. Finally, uh, uh, she uh, has Leatherface grab her and throws her into the body basement. Um, she is down there. She sees her friend hanging there. She tries to get him unhooked, but he she can't. He falls deeper into that hook, and he asks for her just to kill him. So she grabs a knife. 
knife and stabs him and kills him to put him out of his misery. This was one of the decisions that I felt like she wouldn't have made. Like, if it was about saving her own life, she would have taken more time and been less panicked if it was only about saving her own life. And she let him give up far too soon. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) And like, she also, like when she dropped him, you know, like the mistake that she made, if she wouldn't have done that, but also she made the decision where she just silenced him to get it over with because she couldn't help him and she was going to give up and move on, right? And we see her do it again. She totally fucking does it again in the film. And without knowing that she's pregnant, you would be like, wow, she doesn't give a shit about her friends at all, does she? Exactly, right? (laughs) Um, Well, she finds the nerd kid and he has been hooked as well at one point. He's not right now. He's just laying in a bathtub of water, but you can tell he has a wound on his back. He was hooked at one point. Then that little kid shows up and he says he's going to lead him out and they're coming out, but Leatherface sees through the holes and he gives chase. Um, so, the, but the little kid helps those two get out of a storm through a storm door and they run through and they get hold, they hole up in this shack. Uh, but Leatherface attacks. There's a bunch of back and forth here, but the nerd finally defend. Is this the tunnel part? Uh, there was a tunnel part just a second ago. Okay, that tunnel part is where I had that the inkling of what this film actually is and where I would dig uh, it. Okay, now okay. I I heard that they did this for real, but if you did a haunted house that was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre themed haunted house, and you did this sequence where they're underground and you know she's trying to take them off the hook, and you're watching them. And then, you know, the little kid leads everybody out, including the group, you know, and then you're trying to run and then Leatherface is chasing you through this maze like underground area with all the drippy shit and everything. I wouldn't even think twice about the plot. I would just be enjoying it because I was going through it. And I'm like, this would make a much better haunted house, which they fucking did this movie as a haunted house. And that sequence would be perfect for that. You know, I totally agree with that. So if you had this be a fucking, you know, weekly TV show, just using the name Texas Chainsaw Massacre a la Friday the 13th, the series which i watched and gave a ton of leeway and had a fun a shitload of fun with i would have given this a lot more leeway and i would have had a shitload of fun with this series i've been like it's not that great but i mean it was fun to watch yeah (laughs) because that's kind of where i was with this movie where i'm like that's not that great but this is kind of fun to watch and then like everything else i'm like oh jesus christ and the more i watch it the more i'm like this is so unnecessary this is so just a waste and it just you know pisses me off more and more by the time we get to this point and then i think about the part where i'm like man if this were a haunted house so you know what I did for to, to make it through the rest of the film, Matt? What's that? I pretended I was in a haunted house ride running around with um, her character, her Aaron, with Aaron's character and, you know, the survivors for the rest of the film, you know, being led through a haunted house. I just pretended like I was actually in a haunted house and I had a shitload more time with it and I stopped questioning the stupidity of the plot. But then I realized I wasn't doing my job, so I had to switch that back off. <laughs> and I'll tell you when well, I switched that back. Goddamn time. Yeah, I'll t- <laughs> right. I'll tell you when I switch that back off, but the minute they hit the tunnels is when I started doing that. And from here on out, I'll tell you when it stops. Okay. All right. Well, throughout all this, then, uh, they, uh, you know, they're in this house. The nerd tries to attack Leatherface. The nerd still has uh, handcuffs on and Leatherface picks him up, puts him on a chandelier, uh, by the handcuffs. Oh, we skipped the then, part where uh, they went to hide. That was actually decent tension building where they're hiding and the rats are coming. That wasn't bad, especially with the, the rat, but the rat thing I always felt has been done in like so many movies. I'm not saying it wasn't high from the guy. I, I'm not saying it wasn't cliched as shit, but I got to give Jessica yeah. Biel props here. The way she covered her mouth and the way 
way she was trying so hard to be quiet and the way that she was like being terrorized by these rats that were really fucking invasive and crawling all over her and like how she was like tossing herself you know tossing these rats off of herself and everything but like trying to be quiet about it that was really good tension building for me and the guy playing Leatherface as much as I hate that motherfucker for reasons we'll get into a bunch of we're done um, oh shit yeah uh, it did a really good job in this sequence of doing like the listening and you know being real intent for like a hunter and like going in different angles and just holding still and trying to pretend like you're no longer there you know like he did a really good job of playing the sequence it was filmed really well she hid the guy in the other closet and you're hoping he would just be quiet and the only reason he tries to fight leatherface is because she's about to die Leatherface has her dead to rights. He's standing on her. He's going to chainsaw her. We know she's pregnant and the friend doesn't. So he's actually, as far as I'm concerned, doing something even more honorable. Instead of just trying to save two people, he's just trying to save someone that he cares about because, you know, he's just had enough. And after the violation that he had from the sheriff's character and the way that he's been brutalized by this family, you know, this is his last stand and he knows it. So he's going for it because he can't run. He might as well, like, help her get away. Yep. Well, he gets chainsaw on the groin for his efforts. So, yeah, but she darts, right? Like, <laughs> right as yep. this is happening, she just darts on him. And if you yeah. don't know that she's pregnant, no, you- she, she sees him get chainsawed in the nuts and then she screams and runs. Uh-oh. So she, she kind of sees. She, I mean, there ain't, there ain't no saving him after that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, she stood there paralyzed with fear, I guess. I could give her that leeway, but, like, she bolts on her friend. <laughs> like, a lot of the decisions I think she makes, because, like, she should have at least screamed, you bastard, or something, you know what I mean? But she just, like, just stands there. Like, is she that over-traumatized? I don't know. It's just Probably something that bugged me in the point. film. But I'm saying, like, she should have bolted, on, like, if she bolted on him and she was pregnant, you know, like, we would, you know, but it feels like she just bolts on him to me. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm wrong. You're you're finding reasons to say that that's not the case, but I feel like she bolted on both of her friends. <laughs> and if she, she definitely bolted on the one guy, but the one guy also told her to run uh, <laughs> before he got his leg cut off. So you know, all right, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I'll just I'll get off this movie's fucking case because I I really do have some other shit to say in my final thoughts. So we'll move on. All right. So then Aaron runs, uh, and she runs through like a barbed wire fence, and uh, Leatherface tries to get over it. He trips, and he actually chains his own leg, and that takes us. That's the end of that twenty minutes, and then that takes us into the final twenty minutes. If yeah. you have anything to add? Um, just the chainsaw to the leg was a knowing wink to the original. There's a couple of little yeah. things that they tried to do to like bring elements of the original into it, and this was one of them. There. <laughs> All right. Well, the final 20 minutes starts, Aaron runs into the meat plant. We have a pretty good high-tension chase here, where she's hiding among uh, animal carcasses uh, that seem fairly fresh for a closed-down meat packing plant. Um, we get hide-and-seek. Of course, Leatherface has to turn on the sprinkler system for no reason whatsoever, other than to get Jessica Beale in a white tank top wet. Uh, also, That's the only thing I can figure out. Also, there's no hint that anyone in this family actually worked at the slaughterhouse, and that the yeah. slaughterhouse is even... Even closed down at all uh yeah. even with all of the beef still there and they are super fresh so maybe it's not closed down the only hint that you get is that leatherface immediately knows how to work the chains to start hitting the meats back and forth to hit yeah. her and see where she's hiding you know and that that exactly. was kind of clever and interesting but the reason that there's beef here more than anything else even if this plant is supposed to be abandoned is because it looks cool that's yeah. why the sequence of her uh, hiding in them and everything that's all another looks true cool. and the Very reason true. why the sprinklers turn on like that is because she's wearing a white shirt and it'll be more see-through and that looks cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, 
She is, uh, she then hides in a locker and Leatherface is kind of going through the lockers and he hears one moving and he opens it and it's just a little pig in there. And then she jumps out of another one holding a big meat cleaver and cuts Leatherface's arm off. His main chainsaw arm. Yep. Uh, then she runs, she gets picked up by a trucker and he wants to stop at that corner store. She's like, no, tries to grab the wheel. He says she's nuts. He stops the car. He goes to talk to the family. Um, so the sheriff goes out, opens up the door, doesn't see her, and we see she's actually, uh, she actually goes up to the window, sees the baby in there, then, uh, she's able to sneak, she hotwires the cop car, she runs over the sheriff a couple times, killing him, uh, she takes off in his car, uh, we see that the baby's with her, after that, we cut to the two investigators, they, uh, a narrator says that they were killed, well, because the house was improperly secured, uh, and that this image of the is the only image known of Leatherface. The case is still open. Roll credits. All right. Um, my final thoughts are still, I fucking hate this movie and fuck this movie, but I feel like I have defended my position for all the things that I severely dislike about this movie just enough where it just feels like a hollow piece of shit. And it's just, it's just, just a money-making scheme tied to a name. And again, and again, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Uh, people are going to think, oh, well, that's just kicking court's ass here, but you're exactly right. Um, <laughs> I so, double checked with my wife and she said it was yeah. soulless too and like it yeah, just, it, it just doesn't it, that, work and she liked soulless. it the first time and when we watched it in the 2000s she actually liked it and I told you it doesn't fucking work now it's no. it's time stamped to that specific time and it just doesn't work out of 2003 for me it didn't for my wife who liked it in 2003 like actually liked it and yeah. I'm sure you kind of liked it when it came out too and you don't actually like I it never now. saw it oh really I okay was, I never saw it because I had by that point in time seen the original and seen part two which I enjoyed both of those immensely and and I looked at those much like I was like, I, those are never going to be enjoyable to me. So I'll, I'll never watch them because there's just no way you're going to buck up the original. Well, and, and, and part so, three and part four were kind of the same reaction for you. You're like, yeah, I, not yeah. for me. You just knew yeah. it wasn't for you. I just knew it wasn't. And like, just because, of course, 2003 movie trailers gave away everything. You saw everything. And it's just like, there's nothing that held anything for me within this movie. I didn't think Leatherface looked cool. I didn't think that. Right. I didn't really like any of the actors in there. The, well, one, I liked one actor in all of it. But one actor is not going to save this movie. It's just not. The main reason for me that I absolutely positively 100% fucking hate this movie and will always fucking hate this movie is the guy who played Leatherface. All right. Uh, and what did he do? The actor's name is Andrew Brenayarowski. I cannot pronounce his last name and I apologize for that. That's my own fucking ignorance. But uh, he was Butterfinger in Hudson Hawk. He was Zangief in Street Fighter. He was on any given Sunday. He was the Patrick guy. I don't know if that helps you at all. He's been in a ton of stuff. But he's the one who played Leatherface in this. And on the day that Gunnar Hansen died, he went out of his way on tons of social media to basically drag Gunnar Hansen and tell people to suck his dead nuts and that he played the role twice. Gunnar Hansen only played it once. He shouldn't be the one that everyone thinks of when they think of Leatherface and a bunch of other horrible shit. Now, I'm paraphrasing it, but this was stuff that I'd actually seen with my own eyes watching him post and being like outraged. 
And ever since that point, fuck anything with this guy in it, but specifically the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Yeah, no, fuck, fuck that. that guy. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah, that's no reason for that horseshit. That's a that's a little douchebag who isn't getting the attention he thinks he deserves. So he's going to go out and try to get it by being, quote unquote, shocking. Well, I feel but like... Just, I, but I, in the end, he's just a bitch. I feel like that's a perfect coda to describe my feelings for that film. My outrage that someone would try and declare something like that on the day that someone dies and would be like that on the day that someone dies just specifically to make themselves feel better. That's exactly how this film feels to me watching it. That outrage that you currently yeah. experience thinking about that. That's what this film elicits from me. Does it deserve yeah. it? I don't fucking know, but it sure does now every time I see him it on screen. It doesn't help. I mean, it, and that's just the way it is. Now, so. I said things that he did in this film that I did like, and I will give him credit for it, but he is a fucking asshole for doing that shit. Yeah, agreed. So fuck this movie, fuck. I'm saying. Let's take the break. <laughs> yeah, alright, fuck this. I think we, we were all down there. Fuck this movie. <laughs> Uh, here's the break. Are you having trouble keeping up with the ebbs and flows of modern geekery? Is the real world holding you back from knowing what is happening in the geeky world? To answer these and other personal problems brought in by your friends, gaming group, and loved ones, Geek Radio Daily presents daily informational sessions brought to you by the wonderful Billy Flynn, the Flynnstress, and podcasting's Rich Sigfred. They contain such helpful segments as history, geek birthdays, Box office results, the latest in DVD and Blu-ray, video game and comic releases. Why, they also have a Sweekly show hosted by the wonderful Billy Flynn and the Flynnstress, which includes interviews and commentary. And to make sure you are informed, Geek Radio Daily also provides you with your daily dose of geek news to make sure you know more than that jerk know-it-all Steve. Visit us at geekradiodaily.com. That's right, Geek Radio Daily. All the geek without the weight. Now available in fine Corinthian leather. So that is part of the extreme metal soundtrack that had nothing to do with the actual film itself or wasn't really featured, unless you count the buzzsaw sound of the guitars, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But I dug that song. That was Sworn Enemy, as real as it gets. So I'm not bagging on this song at all, but there's definitely some new metal stuff on this album that I will bag on because I feel it's pretty fucking hollow. But (laughs) (laughs) I dug this one, and that's why I pulled it out. And there's some actual extreme metal on there that I dig, and we'll be playing that to close out the show here. But first, Matt, we don't have time for that because it's time for incoming mail! All right. And when Ken sent me this email, he actually wrote that as well himself. He wrote, time for incoming 
um, <laughs> in the email. And then he messaged me, believe it or not. And in the message, he sent me that as a gift. So like Ken really went all out with his fucking email and, and getting a hold of us. So yeah, I guess. Yeah, we got uh, we got some massive feedback from Ken here and we have it in audio form. Here we go. It's Sunday's my birthday and I don't want to go to a mental hospital. Hello, Port and Matt. How the hell are you guys? It's Ken from Rhode Island checking in. Wanted to say congratulations on your 50th year. Oh, no, wait, your 25th. However the hell long you've been going, however many fucking episodes you put out. I've listened to every single one of them. I think they're great. I never got around to seeing the Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation, and based on your reviews, I'm glad I didn't, and I don't think I ever will. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, though, that's a whole another story. You guys remember when you can go to Hollywood Video or maybe Blockbuster or something in the early 2000s, and they'd have the bin, you know, four used DVDs for 20 bucks. Well, one day, I was perusing that section, and I said, oh... Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003. I love the first one so much. I don't know about a remake, but you know what? The Dawn of the Dead remake was pretty cool, and I love that movie. So I decided to pick it up take a chance on it. Well, I eventually took it out of the plastic and put it in my DVD player. Now, I'm not going to review the film, but I will say once it ended, I pushed eject on my DVD player, put the disc back in the package, and threw the whole fucking thing in the trash. <laughs> Love you guys. You keep putting out episodes, I'll keep downloading and listening to them. want to give a shout-out to everybody in the Cinema PsyOps groups, and I will end it with, Come on! Come on! Let's go, space trucking! Come on! Come on! Yeah, 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 space trucking! <laughs> all right ken um i apologize if the audio quality doesn't come through on this but i'm gonna have to play your actual clip in our live reactions to it because that was fucking hilarious that was good stuff that was good stuff damn ken you're getting some editing going man yeah, yeah. <laughs> send us some get more shit going. dude go for it yeah fuck it <laughs> that was awesome oh man I, you know what that brought us all back and yes, um, ken's, brought it back up ken's coda caps off the review and everything we have to say about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake from 2003. So I feel like it, we're going to have at least Ken after this is over. Yeah, now, yeah. Right? Yeah, right? <laughs> well, and with that, let's go ahead and end the 304th consecutive week of this show. Word up. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Mental Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick 6 Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho-Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Witch vs. the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. 
horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. be hard-pressed to find anyone who would say that Morbid Angel was not extreme metal or yeah. death metal or whatever your flavor of metal would not belong on a compilation of the most extreme metal you could create. Most extreme. No one would question Morbid Angel's ability to be there. Someone may or may not question Morbid Angel's necessity to be linked to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in any way. Yeah. Other than I'm they sure. do a song about it, perhaps. But, I mean, that's not what we're here for. We're here to end the show. We're here to stop bitching about this fucking movie <laughs> and all the choices the marketing did. And I feel you that can't we... can stop yourself. I feel that we have presented enough evidence as to why this is a soulless fucking franchise attempt. It is. In it all is. aspects, including this soundtrack shit we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> if you would like to find other instances where we have exposed a film for the soulless marketing campaign that it truly is. I don't know if we've ever done that before, but maybe you can check our landing and launching page for that. Legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. We're also available for your memes of the people repository. That is the people of cinema psyops. That's available at our Instagram cinema underscore psyops. We also have a Facebook group where immediately after the cinema psyops Instagram shares said memes from the repository it gets posted by me in the Cinema PsyOps group. I'm available on Facebook as Court PsyOps. Matt is available sometimes sort of on Facebook when I text him pictures of memes that Darren's making after 19 plus weeks of disappearing. And now it's up to 20, I believe, is it not, Darren? Motherfucker, those are some hardcore memes, too, he's been posting. That's some shit, man. That's like, that's fucking you've, war dog you've, shit. Er, you've earned it at 20 weeks. I mean, I'm not saying I haven't earned it. I'm just saying that's some war dog shit. <laughs> just saying. That's <laughs> more dog shit. I'm going to sanction it. I'm going to allow it. Like, he can he well, can I, fucking dig into you all he wants because you I, I have know. been dogging I, I, him. Again, don't misplace what I'm saying <laughs> for me saying I don't deserve it. I'm just saying that's some more dog shit right there. <laughs> and everyone knows it. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's dropping the hammer. I get it, too. Yeah. I know it's a rivalry thing. I get it. 
yeah, it's fucking funny. That's all available at the Cinema PsyOps group, and Matt PsyOp is getting fucking called out for his shit there for I'm 20 weeks. fucking heated about it, too, and I should probably do something about it, but I just don't know what, because I don't know if I can now give in. <laughs> If you think Matt should give in, you should also email him, psyopmatt at gmail.com, and then wait 20 weeks, do a bunch of fucking memes that really piss him off, and maybe you'll get a reply. Fucking heated, man. The more we talk about it, my Jimmy's a Russell. You could also email feedback to court and ask him what the fuck that stupid phrase means, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. <laughs> fucking salty about it you can tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats on the hate-filled shitfest turned porn bot heaven known as twitter i am at court underscore psyop there and he is at psyop matt well while you're out there trying to convince yourself that everything platinum dunes touched did not turn out to be a soulless marketing campaign that you got edged into kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch Hey, do you hear that noise we've had the last couple of weeks on your side from the computer noises? Like, anything on your side? Yeah. Like, do you hear that little high-pitched after the before or after the yeah? No, I don't. You remember it from the last couple of weeks, right? Yeah, I think so, but I don't hear it. Okay, well, then asking you if it's still there is pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. All right, well, it was happening on my side. You might have remembered me trying to track it down, and I turned it over to your side, and then you oh, could yeah. hear it. <laughs> yeah, I, now I remember what you're talking about. I haven't heard it recently. All right, well, how about now? Do you hear it now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Okay, well, I, I don't hear anything other than the thing going. I don't hear anything. I, 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 turned, I, t I turned the send all the way up on it. Oh, All geez. the way up. <laughs> like, just if there was any hint of that noise at all, you would probably hear it. You know, it would have gotten yeah. super, super loud. So if you're not hearing it in your channel, then I must have dropped it down enough and, and been able to isolate it. So good. Fuck, that took forever. <laughs> <laughs> Are you recording yet? I am right now. One, two, three. Ed, you could hear the... Yeah. You hear that fine, right? Yeah, I hear that great. Yeah. All right. Well, I think I pretty much have it squared away then. I'm ready to go. I just realized I haven't grabbed your clips yet. <laughs> and I also need to get... Uh, we got a little. We got another piece of feedback, so that's pretty oh, awesome. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, well, Matt fucking makes me wait, so he can wait for me to download the goddamn oh. clips while we're on the oh. line for once. Yeah. <laughs> I could definitely wait. Jesus just settle the fuck down. Things going to be all right. And by everyone, you mean court. Settle the fuck down. Yeah, court, settle the fuck down, all right? But I, I don't want to call you out because that's just mean to do to people, so... <laughs> yeah, just everyone just settle the fuck down. <laughs> 
So that Ubiquity router I got, um, the software upgrade or the firmware upgrade I tried to do failed. Uh -huh. So now I got to buy uh -huh. a fucking console cable and learn like command line stuff to get it up and running because I got to get it to recover and I got a recovery Fuck. file I got to drop to it. <laughs> fucking pleb. No, <laughs> no, I know what happened. Uh, I went to do the upgrade on it and it didn't have the space that it needed. Oh, uh, okay. And yeah. Because like it, it failed. Like the thing that it said that it did failed because when I went to do a full restore on it, um, you know, like it wouldn't even let me log in um, like a SSH login, which it allows, you know, with a user credential, you can do an SSH login on one of the ports. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's like port zero or one or either port zero or port one, one of those two um, or, you know, the, the ethernet connection. Uh, <laughs> tap, I guess is what you guys call it. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it, it, it let me like get pretty far. But then when I went to send it a login, it kept sending me back an error, which I looked up and said that it, it didn't have any logins and the SSH wasn't shut up. And that's done in the firmware by default. So it was the firmware upgrade that bricked it. And, oh. But it's sending me errors and it's communicating. So that means that the logic is still there. I don't think it completely bricked it. I think I can, I just need a console cable because it has a console connection like what Cisco does. See, I've done all the reading to talk about all this stuff to yeah. troubleshoot this thing. What I'm getting at is like, I should be really fucking pissed off right now, but I'm like, ah, problem. Yeah, problem. <laughs> now Time I can solve something. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. So I'm waiting for that cable to come in on Wednesday and then I can fucking troubleshoot that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Even hey, further. It should be all right. You should be able to get it done. Well, I wanted to actually, the reason I bought the router is I wanted to learn more about this stuff and actually yeah. do some of this stuff. And from talking with you, it's one of those things that I knew that um, I could do. You know, I could kind yeah. of learn it and pick it up. And like you said that this particular company was, you know, pretty well renowned. And I've seen a bunch of videos yeah. of people like talking about how customizable it is and it's a great learning router yeah. for firewalls and networking. So when I looked at it, I had already I had heard of them, not necessarily anything really about them. But I, I never I know it never been in a negative way. So then I did my own research on that. And yeah. Everyone, like reputable sources that I listened to were like, yeah, this is above decent. You know, everything's fine. Yeah, so. with the right setups, it's got like a really decent mm. built-in firewall and everything. And um, this is yeah. really gonna help you out because I know you like hot water in your own house so this kind of stuff learning this is going to help you create a whole little network inside your home if you really wanted to well i had i had shit. I, I had done that with routers and switches where i yeah. routed to individual rooms and assigned ip addresses to individual rooms and then you know did the the shared ips with the with the switches you know and yeah. I, I i had done like you know like a basically um not necessarily a hub but i had done um like the the old school tree you know in yeah. the house and then treated out with switches where i didn't you you know, I just needed internet access. It wasn't that hard to do, but like I'm getting to the point now where I'm wanting to port forward for certain programs of nefarious mm -hmm. nature. Yes. <laughs> for things that shall not be named. Right. And that Asus router that I was using, uh, it it doesn't really let you do it. Like it locked no, that man, shit that down. No, man, that fucking Asus shit is all fucking narcs, man. That's all that is. <laughs> right. And I was going to fucking flash that router, but I'm like, I'll just yeah. use that for the wireless and like an internal network of like my streaming stuff for my Plex. Yes. Use that that the government thinks you're a good boy. <laughs> I'd still need to have that be slightly inside because I still need to port forward on at least one port. One, well, okay. one that's, I mean, that's, that's true.
All right, so I'm exporting the auditory feedback that we got this week's mm-hmm. right now. So, And this is riveting fucking radio, but I'm using it all because yeah. I use everything now. We record for two hours, and whatever we record is the show in some way, shape, or form. So, it's, Yeah, I mean, that's I, that's got to be that. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> we don't even record for two hours. Sometimes we I call mean, it early. Well, some some of these have been not ones you can record for two hours on. Like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we, we did pretty well. <laughs> and even number two, we did really well. And then it got a little <laughs> we actually got them done uh, pretty fast, too. Like, yeah. we, we burned through the movies even though we talked about them a lot. Like, they were still relatively shorter episodes. Like, I'm thinking, like, Sex and Fury and stuff like that, but then again, like, how much... Oh, you yeah. can hear me copying things over. This is definitely riveting fucking radio. This is great stuff here. <laughs> All right. It's Sunday's my birthday, and I don't want to go to a mental hospital. <laughs> All right. I think uh, Ken did some editing on this one. I'm stoked. That sounded pretty cool. That was really yeah. fucking loud, though, so I might need to turn that down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let me uh, let me level that again. I think I just need to... Oh, no. No, it's, it's set at... Generation and based on... Okay. It's just playing louder for some reason from my... There's like this autoplay function that uh, they have that they, they let you do with Apple. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And uh, it's just like full fucking blast volume. And that's not what I have this stuff set to when I leveled it at negative six. Yeah. So that was kind of a problem. All right. So I we do it. have we do have feedback from our man Ken in Rhode Island. And All right. so we're continuing the streak so far. Our audience and our fellow podcasters have not failed us. And I am super stoked about that. Yes. They make us all happy in the cockles of our hearts. Okay. So. So there were three total clips, and we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, not the pre-make one. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's fucking start the episode finally. Here we go. Yet none of the evidence was more compelling than the classified police footage of the crime scene walkthrough. Y'all seen Blair Witch? Pass, pass, pass. Okay. Uh, our next clip. That's the only number two, right? We haven't had another yep. one. Okay. Want to make sure. Yep. Oops. I'm paying that much attention to what you're saying. <laughs> we Just. were all numb as a people, and the things that we were all drawn to were yeah. this kind of soulless bullshit. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> were we at a 20-minute mark? Because this really fits like in a 20-minute mark. How close are no, we? No, actually, we were not. <laughs> oh. Right before a 20-minute mark. But <laughs> Okay. Well, let's finish it up and um, right. give me like a starting and ending end point so I know where to go to pull this. So three, two, one, go. The latest in DVD. Ordinarily, this promo sounds so happy to me, and right after that lead-in, it feels so sad. Yeah, right. (laughs) We got to bring him back up after this. I am at court underscore psyop there, and he is at psyop Matt. See Dan Bone? That's how you do it and mess up and fix it later. Yeah. (laughs) That's just for me because I'm editing that out too. Oh, okay. (laughs) Everyone gets to do something, I guess.
you're out there trying to convince yourself that everything Platinum Dunes touched did not turn out to be a soulless marketing campaign that you got edged into, kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch. <laughs> that was a little offside. They'll cry themselves yeah. to sleep on their huge pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Was it an offside, wasn't it? <laughs> I feel I'm pretty safe because all critics, all the Rotten Tomatoes and everything, I mean, like, the people that love it, love it because it's fucking gross, and they acknowledge everything else that I said about it. They do. Yeah, I think you're safe. I mean, no one's going to sit there and think. Well, they probably will, but, like, if they're going to leave on us for that, for me hating a film and speaking what I feel, then, you know, were they really a fan to begin with, right? Yeah, exactly, and I don't think anybody's going to... I think a lot of people, especially our fans, are going to kind of agree with us on this one. Well, we will only find out if our numbers severely dwindle right after this month. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're still recording? Uh, I am, but I have now stopped.